0: Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, the Department of Education announces the reopening of the John H. Woodson Junior High School. 911 calls from the east end of St. John are being bumped to the British Virgin Islands. Our city's Teron Thomas wins the Grammy for Songwriter of the Year. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed
1: from the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System studios on St. Thomas. This is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas.
0: Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community.
2: And the Grammy goes to Theron Thomas.
0: Congratulations are in order for Virgin Islands native and half of the music duo R-Cities to Thomas, who won Songwriter of the Year at the 66 Grammy Awards.
3: This award is for my father. Let me tell her something. I lose my father about three years ago to cancer. My father tell me when I was nine years old, T-Ran you gonna win a Grammy. And here's the show. My father was never a liar. The greatest man I ever lived. My manager, Ray, my wife, Aveda, I love you. My mother, my brother, all my friends. All my children, I don't wear them around my neck. I know I got six kids. And let me tell her something. i from a small island, 32 square miles. I moved to the States with $35 when I was 18. And I say I gonna make it in music. I 41 years old, and guess what? Songwriter, let we go! Yeah!
0: Another Grammy win was Lil Dirk and J. Cole winning best melodic rap performance for the song All My Life, which Thomas helped to write.
4: All my life. life. They've been trying to keep me down. All this time. All this time.
0: Also nominated for Songwriter of the Year was Edgar Barrera, Jesse Joe Dillon, Shane McAnally and Justin Tranter, who wrote the song River on Miley Cyrus's most recent album, Endless Summer. Governor Albert Bryan Jr. announced the closure of the agreement between the government of the Virgin Islands and the National Park Service.
2: That's right ladies and gentlemen, we have finally closed the deal, ink signed and sealed. We now uh, have completed our exchange agreement with the the National Park Service, and it paves the way for the construction of the -the state-of-the-art Julia Sprouse School, K-12, right on the island of St. John.
0: The governor also highlighted FEMA's commitment of $133 million to fund the construction of the school.
2: This modern facility will not only be an educational institution, but also serve as a vital storm shelter and, of course, a viable community space for all the residents of St. John.
0: And in more St. John-related news, as lawmakers assess safety challenges and concerns from residents on the island, they learn from Vitima's Assistant Director Stephen de Blagio's testimony that calls to 911 are routinely bounced off of cell towers to the British Virgin Islands, particularly for callers on the farthest ends of St. John, like Coral Bay.
5: Obviously, this poses a challenge for those needing 911 assistance. Uh, we have provided a direct number that is 340-776-9110 that can be called in those instances which goes directly into the 911 call center.
0: De Blasio stated that unless calling from a landline or a cell phone with a strong signal, callers may not be able to dial the number directly. Senator-at-large, Ángel Bulkes questioned whether there were additional plans to remedy the issue outside of the direct phone line.
3: How are you actually trying to manage that in the sense of 911 calls being bumped over? Are you looking forward or looking or planning to
5: have an actual call center here on the island of St. John? We do not have a plan to establish a 911 call center on the island of St. John, Okay. Uh, in terms of a plan, in terms of would it cost someone if their call gets routed to the BVI, that we do not, Vitima would not get involved in. Uh, what Vitima did was they were instrumental in creating that full phone number, knowing that folks in Coral Bay and other parts of St. John and that general area, they're going to get picked up by a BVI cell tower sooner than they would the U.S. cell tower. And that's what causes the call to go there. We have worked with them directly, and they have established in their phone system, in automatic, they push a button. As soon as they know the call came from St. John, they push a button, and it automatically transfers it to the St. Thomas District ECC, who supports uh, St. Thomas, St. John, and Water Island.
0: 125 days after the closure of its campus, the John H. Woodson Junior High School will reopen its doors to students on Monday, February 12th. We spoke with Dr. Erisilda Otley-Herman, St. Croix District Superintendent, who says the campus has undergone extensive maintenance repairs.
4: As you know, we had to temporarily close um, John H. Woodson on October 10, 2023. um, And that was due to environmental concerns that was caused by the flood um, on September twenty seventh in the B-Wing. Um, Woodson was already previously on an adjusted schedule due to the heat because the B-Wing ACs were um, out. So we had heat-related issues that were exacerbated and pushed further with environmental concerns, so we closed Woodson on October 10th. Our goal, even though our maintenance is ongoing, our goal primarily in our 30-, 60-, and 90-day plans were to address the major concerns that caused the campus to close so that we can reopen the campus. So during the the closure, um, there was mold remediation
0: that was done to the entire B-Wing and the main office. Dr. Herman says those results were shared with faculty, staff, and the unions.
4: I will be sharing that with parents as well in our Parent PT on Thursday. Um, There were installation of new AC units in the B-Wing as well as a brand new HVAC system in the main office. Um, we installed new ceiling fans, ceiling floor tiles, ceiling tiles, and baseboards in the B wing. Um, we cleaned the HVAC systems, um, cleaned AC systems because that was a suggestion from the ADCON who did the mold remediation of the B wing. Um, and so there was a deep cleaning done of the entire campus. Um, there was interior painting that was completed. Uh, Right now, there is also the installation of the hallway lights. Uh, Primarily, the leak had affected the hallway lights in the B-Wings. And then there were lights sporadic or throughout the campus that were not working. And so the operational team and the leadership team agreed to replace all of the internal lights. Um, The contractor is finishing that work, and that will be done by Friday to meet our um, February 12th opening.
0: Prior to the closure, she says... There were four classrooms on the campus that were not being used due to environmental and maintenance concerns. Those classrooms, she says, have now been revitalized.
4: As students, faculty, and staff go in and occupy the building, there is possibly maintenance concerns that's going to come forth and we're gonna address those right away as they come forward. There are also additional projects that we have been updating the community on that's still ongoing at the John H. Woodson, as well as other campuses in the St. Croix district. And so keep abreast of what's going on with our PR. And there are some key dates that I want to share with the community around the reopening of John H. Woodson. Um, Today, we had a faculty and staff meeting. I met with the faculty and staff this morning. We met with them at the Central High School. We went over um, what the results and what they would expect. And so since the teachers have to prepare the classrooms for students to return on Monday, Um, Starting tomorrow, February 6th through February 9th, there will be virtual instruction from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m., and teachers will transition to the schools from 1 p.m. to prepare their classrooms. Um, If there is a change in that schedule, we'll definitely let the parents know. On Thursday, February 8th at 6 p.m., we'll have a family meeting, a Janice Woodson Warrior family meeting, and we're asking for students and parents to join us via Zoom so we can talk about what's going to happen in the transition back, talk about our our remediation results and some of the things that were done, and we want to address parents directly, and that's Thursday, February 8th at 6 p.m. And then bright and early Monday morning, um, we are going to be welcoming our John H. Woodson Warriors back in person on Monday, February 12th at 8 a.m. We will have bus transportation starting as early as 645. There will be breakfast for our students. And so, you know, we are excited because although... Um, our students were receiving instruction virtually. We know that the best place for them to be is in front of their teachers, and in-person learning is where we want them to be. So this is truly an awesome and a great time for us here in the St. Court District as we reopen the John H. Woodson Junior High School.
0: Over the weekend, wanted St. Thomas man Arnold Malone turned himself into authorities. Virgin Islands Police Department Media Relations Coordinator Kishma Chichester has the details.
6: On February 4, 2024, at approximately 3.30 p.m., 49-year-old Arnold Malone turned himself in for several incidents that occurred on Friday, February 2, 2024. Mr. Malone was involved in three car accidents where he left the scene of each. When Malone finally stopped his vehicle, he attempted to get away from the officers and used his vehicle to strike the officers' unit, nearly striking the officers'. Shots were fired during the incident, and this case is currently under investigation by the VIP Criminal Investigation Bureau.
0: Police are also still searching for 30-year-old Valentina Sanchez. Sanchez is wanted in connection to a shooting incident that left a man lying in the roadway near Cuesta Verde on St. Croix. Sanchez is described as a Hispanic female, 5 feet 4 inches in height, about 160 pounds, she has black hair, brown eyes, and a light complexion. She was last seen wearing a khaki knee-length pants, a dark-colored shirt with a red or maroon handbag, and is known to frequent the Williams Delight and Estate Tamarind area.
6: We urge anyone with any information to call 911, Crime Stoppers VI at 1-800-222-8477, or the Chief's office at 340-715. 5546 or the commissioner's office at 340-715-5506.
0: Drama surrounding the rebuild of the Randall-Doc James racetrack on St. Croix continues to heat up as Governor Albert Bryan Jr. is firing back at a press release from VIGL dated February 1st. In the release, VIGL states that much of the delay, in addition to the lengthy permitting process, is a result of reaching an amicable settlement with the government of the Virgin Islands for partial reimbursement for VIL's private capital expenditures put into the St. Thomas racetrack since 2016. They stated that a reimbursement agreement of $5 million from the government of the Virgin Islands to VIGL was reached in September of 2022. However, at the beginning of their current construction on the St. Croix racetrack, they still await the $5 million settlement amount. Governor Albert Bryan Jr. called the statement one that was rooted in fantasy and fiction.
2: We did not give them any subsidy for work that they perform. We negotiated a contract with them in good faith and then they went to the legislature and tried to get the law to guarantee them something that the contract did not. So, in fact, what happened is, you know, out of the goodness of my heart, I said, you know what, you guys have been through a lot. We want to see the track get done. We'll give you $5 million towards the structure there um, just to see if they would get going. What they think this is is a grant. And, and so they went to the legislature and got, tried to get the legislature to grant them the $5 million, the agreement for the $5 million that they would build a structure for horse racing and they would be reimbursed. And that's not what they want to do. They want to build a casino for gaming and not build a structure for, for for horse racing and get paid up front.
0: Governor Bryan stated that was the terms of the contract and that the press release really infuriated him
2: these people, we've given them every chance. And I'm at the point now and I've asked them point blank, just give up the contract. You know, you could give up the contract, just give it up. We won't charge you a dime, but good. Just give us back our track. Because the odds of them getting this built is nil to none. Because not only do they have to get the money to build the track, but they also have to get a way to buy out DV because DV has a two year contract. So that's two years that they would have to sit on that. Uh, They would have to sit. and and not make any money while they pay the bills and everything to run the track and the purses. And that's what they're trying to get away from. There's no way that this governor is going to give them $5 million, they build a casino, and then they don't build a track for another five years.
0: He continued that the only reason he hasn't breached the contract is because he thought they were operating under a good faith agreement.
2: And number two, I don't want to spend 20 years in court. I want to watch some horse racing in St. Croix, so... I'm really irritated now um, with Andrew, Mr. Dubuque, because he, you know, he talks out of two sides of his mouth and he's always trying to do and pull a fast one. So they need to start getting building and then you know, digging the gut or whatever it is they're doing with that tractor moving it around on a the track is not what's happening. So you need to get to business or give up the contract. And I mean the people need to tell them too. Like, I don't I don't want to use that, um, that that adage about getting off the pot, but. They need to start billing or give up the contract. You know, they could walk away. We won't hold them obligated to nothing. We'll get our track built ourselves. We don't need them. But, you know, I just don't want to get into a legal battle with them. But I'm not giving them $5 million to build up front. And I'm not giving them $5 million towards building a casino. If they build the stands or they build a, the stables or the, the barns that they, they, they said they were going to build, a quarantine barn, they're going to do the surface. Yes, we will give them money towards that but not towards uh, building any gaming, gaming position. That's out, because what they want to do is open the Racino and then have Re- Re- Racino, and then when they get enough money, then open the track. We don't have five, uh, five years to wait. We have enough money to build our track back ourselves. So you know, either they're going to get to building or get off our property.
0: The 2023 World Drug Report published by the United Nations highlights how social and economic inequalities drive and are driven by drug challenges. The report found that drug use continues to be high worldwide, and in 2021 alone, one in every 17 people ages 15 through 64 in the world had used drugs in the past 12 months. As the conversation continues locally on the impacts of drug trafficking in the territory, Virgin Islands Police Department's Commissioner Ray Martinez says trafficking through the territory is the worst it has ever been.
3: If you follow the national news, you would know what you would hear that of all of the interdiction that's being done on the southwestern border, those southwestern states, Texas, Arizona, California, you know those cases that those cases that um, traditionally over the last ten years or so have seen an increase in uh, DTOs and drug trafficking organizations moving drugs back and forth across the um, the southwestern border. Both the federal government and the governments of those states have increased their initiatives. As a result of that, the drug trafficking organizations have now increased their um, movement of drugs through the Caribbean.
0: he says we may not hear a lot from the department about the seizures because most of the operations fall on their federal partners.
3: We have task force officers assigned to just about every one of the uh, federal agencies who are involved in a number of these um, these apprehensions and in a lot of the um, of the seizures that you know are actually um, ongoing Just here in the territory, I would venture to say that uh, easily there's been over a hundred million dollars worth of um, of narcotics that have been um, confiscated thus far, you know, on especially on the seas, and several hundred. I I would say about two or three million in cash, and uh, of course, with those cases ongoing as far as their investigations, there are more assets as well, and there will be more seizures for asset forfeiture as well.
0: The Lieutenant Governor's Office Real Property Tax Division will operate on modified hours for approximately the next two months in each district. Starting February 6th through March 28th, the division will be closed to the public on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 1 to 5 p.m. All cashier services and other divisions of the Office of Lieutenant Governor will maintain normal working hours from Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. The limited hours each Tuesday and Thursday will also affect the Office of the Tax Assessor, including the Cadastral Unit, and the Office of the Tax Collector in each district. The Cadastral Unit will allow for document drop-off for processing, but will otherwise be closed to the public. The drop-off box for the Cadastral Unit will be located at the respective offices in each district, and customers must provide contact information with their drop-off packages. FEMA is currently looking for students in grades 8 through 11 in the U.S. Virgin Islands who are passionate about making a positive impact in their community. We spoke with Aaron Van Doren, acting coordinator for the Territory's FEMA Caribbean Area Office, who is inviting students to apply to join the Youth Preparedness Council.
7: The Youth Preparedness Council uh, was started in uh, 2012 uh, by FEMA. And it provides an opportunity for like-minded youth to come together and work on projects that help the community, and it's based on a preparedness mentality. So this year, there's going to be 15 members that will be selected throughout the country, and the selection will be based on community involvement, dedication to public service, and the potential to expand and impact uh, the preparedness of the youth in the area and nationwide.
0: Mr. Van Doren says students get to select what type of preparedness they want to focus on.
7: Generally, there's going to be some projects and group work that will be taking place throughout the year. And uh, I know some of the previous projects, uh, those range from creating graphic novels for children uh, on either climate change or preparedness, developing frameworks for groups to help other youth who have dealt with disasters and the stress from it. Um, Maybe creating other presentations for youth just to help other students and people their age identify like decision-making processes during a disaster, like what to do, how to prepare, things to get ready. So it's really about helping and building resilience in the community.
0: Members serve a one-year term on the council that begins in July.
7: The application period started on January 22nd, and it'll be closing on March 4th. So that's the window to apply. And uh, there will be some information sessions. Uh, there will be a Zoom conference, and that will be February 27th. If anybody wants any info on it, then they can go to FEMA.gov. Uh, there's one of the scrolling banners right at the top of the page. will have information on it. And they'll be able to click on that, find out all of the application process. And one thing I did want to add is just, The importance of of doing this, this is a great opportunity for youth. Uh, They get to participate with other uh, students nationwide and like-minded individuals, come together, work on projects, get leadership experience. Uh, It also looks really good on college resume. So it's just a really good opportunity all around, and it's a really good program that they can participate in.
0: New council members who are selected will be announced in June. As we continue to update the newsfeed, we're turning now to our regional report. U.S. officials announced today that they're increasing its military assistance to Guyana. This comes on the heel of neighboring Venezuela threatening to seize the Esquibo region they have long claimed. The U.S. is pledging to help Guyana buy new aircraft, helicopters, a fleet of military drones, and for the first time, radar technology. Details are not immediately clear, and Guyanese officials decline to say how much they expect to pay. Confirmation of the plan comes a day after the U.S. Deputy National Security Advisor John Finer, and Western Hemisphere Senior Director Juan Gonzalez met with authorities in Guyana about improving defense capabilities. Guyana's President Irfan Ali has said his administration would soon buy a fleet of at least four U.S. helicopters, along with drones, fixed wing planes, and other equipment. Chief of Staff Brigadier General Omar Khan told the Associated Press today that officials would also buy radar systems to improve air and sea domain awareness and capabilities. There's an increasing chance of showers and a possibility of flooding throughout the territory. We're turning now to our meteorologist for the territory's weather forecast.
1: The pattern will remain a touch unsettled as we look forward to the next few days. And we do expect shower and thunderstorm activity to become a bit more widespread as we look forward to the day on Tuesday, complete with some heavier downpours. The disturbance causing this weather will weaken a bit and showers and isolated thunderstorms will become a little less numerous as we look forward to Wednesday. At the beaches, we'll continue to monitor for a higher than normal risk of rip currents, particularly north-facing beaches. Quite a bit of cloudiness tonight. Temperatures in the low to mid-70s. South winds as high as 10 to 20 miles per hour. Showers and thunderstorms will become more numerous during the day on Tuesday. High temperatures in the lower 80s. We may see a few heavier downpours locally. There's still a risk of showers Tuesday night. Temperatures in the low to mid-70s. Showers and perhaps an isolated thunderstorm on Wednesday. Lower 80s. Brighter skies by Thursday. This is meteorologist Russ Murley.
0: We are at the end of today's WTJX newsfeed. I'm Marcelina Ventura-Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. And if you haven't already, be sure to download the WTJX app. If you missed a part of our news, you can listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.